Welcome to another episode of the Success is My Religion podcast, the podcast where we study success like a religion. I'm your host, Michael Taylor, also known as the Success Engineer, the creator of the Work Hard Philosophy for Individual Achievement, and the founder of the Work Hard Movement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Success is My Religion podcast. I got my my friend Jason M. Thornton here, financial advisor. Uh, first of all, I want to I want to shout out to my only supporter uh, with his monthly support, uh, Khalid, one of my students back at the high school. So uh, shout out to Khalid, and uh, if y'all want to support, go ahead and hit that support button and support me monthly and support the Work Hard movement. So I got Jason Thornton here. Um, He is a financial advisor, licensed in tax and financial planning out of the St. Louis, Missouri area. He he was awarded the uh, Small Business Monthly honor as the best accountants accountants in St. Louis. And uh, so how Jason, welcome to the the podcast. And how did you get started in the tax? tax and financial planning all right first off i want to thank you for for the invite i'm truly honored to be even interviewed on this stuff because honestly when you start working and you start doing stuff you you don't even pay attention to the quote-unquote success because you're so focused on trying to get stuff done so when anyone you know asks me to you know come on a podcast an interview and stuff like that i'm still honored because really i'm still looking forward on the stuff that i'm still trying to do that I kind of sometimes forget about the stuff that I've already done. So I, mm-hmm. I appreciate the invite. You're welcome. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. All right. So the, how did my story begin? My story began when I was nine years old. All right. Mm. <laughs> so my mother and father own a small business. It's a scrap metal recycling business. Now, when I say small, I say small, like they got, you know, 10 or 20 employees. But mm-hmm. as far as revenue is concerned, when it comes to scrap metal recycling, I mean, you could do numbers in the millions of dollars because wow. it's an industry that's always going to be there. You know, junk cars, refrigerators, aluminum cans, all that type of stuff. So when I was little, the company was named uh, Thornton and Sons, just kind of like Sanford and Sons. I know I'm probably dating myself for <laughs> some of your listeners, but there was a show called Sanford and Sons. And the comedian on uh, the show was from the city of St. Louis. So there's some connection there. Mm-hmm. But. Thornton and Sons was a scrap metal recycling business, and I was the youngest son. So while all my older brothers, their job was to be out in the yard and, you know, handle all the heavy equipment. Me being the youngest one, my father put me in the office. So, you know, in the office, it would be my job to, you know, uh, watch people put metal on the scale, write down the number, see how much it weighed. And then my father would tell me how much to pay the person per pound. Mm. So I, I been a bookkeeper like that since i was nine years old i mean that's what you did you worked Mm -hmm. in the family business so i did that since i was nine years old then you know i fast forward you know go off to college in college i got bit by the bug i want to be a sports broadcaster Mm. you know even though my father said you know you still got to take some business classes but (laughs) you you can study whatever you want but you got to take some business classes Mm -hmm. so i ended up getting an associate's degree in accounting but my uh bachelor's degree was in mass communication with a focus on like sports broadcasting but i graduate from school whatnot i come home next thing i know i graduate into the great recession yeah there wasn't a lot of of job openings for uh sports broadcasters in 2006 and 2007 so what's the Mm -hmm. fallback plan work for my mother and father and they put me right back in the office being their uh being their accountant and you know a couple years go by i'm still working in the office i'm i'm their accountant and what ends up happening is we get audited by the irs Mm -hmm. and being their accountant you know i have power of attorney to represent my client uh before the irs and the bill that they stuck us with was pretty high. 
I mean, we're talking about multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars that the IRS claimed that we owed. But, you know, through uh, going back and forth with the agent, uh, you know, making sure that we're following all the uh, internal revenue codes and whatnot, we ended up settling the case for less than $4,000. It was like $3,940 we ended up settling the case for. So that's you know, dope right there. Yeah, yeah. Needless to say, my father and mother were excited and very proud of their son. And next thing I know, they're bragging to all their other friends who happen to be small business owners. Because, you know, when you're in that life of being a small business owner, you tend to have other friends who are small business owners. So next thing I know, my phone is blowing up from all these other people who have tax or financial problems. You know, it it got to the point where I had to tell my father, I need to open up my own office because they're paying me more than you're paying me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make more money opening up my own uh, uh, accounting practice than just working with you. And he said, go ahead, because, you know, that's the type of spirit my mother and father had. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not they want to see me excel. So they said, go ahead. So that's that's kind of how everything kind of went up. And, you know, as everything progressed, I had to study for different uh, exams and different licenses. So, like you said, I'm licensed as a tax advisor through the uh, U.S. Department of uh, Treasury. So I have full power of attorney representation rights, uh, the highest credential that the IRS uh, honors. And then also I'm a licensed investment advisor. So, you know, those things progressed. And currently right now, I'm enrolled with the uh, uh, Howard University uh, School of Business to complete my CFP mark. So that's the uh, Certified Financial Planner. And, you know, that's a requirement that you have to go to a School of Business cert, uh, a registered program with the CFP board. And I should be done with that December this year. Man, get it in. Yeah, that, it's crazy. It's and- crazy. I think, it, man, I think that great recession did something to us. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> because I got the same mentality. I'm like, I'm going to get every single skill that I can get to, can get to add on to, so that I don't have to worry about nothing. No it more. was like it, it was like a slap in the face of reality. Because you know, we're, we're graduating and we're like, I bet, you know, I got the world is out here. I'm going to get me this job. We had people who have master's degrees and all this. Mm-hmm. They were in line, either in front of us or behind us, going for the same jobs that we were trying to go for with no experience. Right. So it, it, it made us more scrappy. It made us have a more hustler's mentality than the generation before us because it, it was a fight to get a job. I mean, Shoot. I remember seeing hundreds of people in line for like 10 or 20 posts. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I stayed in school during that time, mm-hmm. but I got out during the, the really middle of it. Okay. And it was like a, a culture shock. I was like, I did everything in school at, at Missouri Valley. Right. I was a student, athlete. <laughs> I was involved in organization, certification. Right. I was a resident assistant. I, I even in my master's, I was I was a a, a, a what is that? A, 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 not academic advisor, but admissions a, a counselor. Oh man, you, you know you was working everywhere. Yeah, and I was a um, what is it at the uh, mental health facility there in Marshall. Oh yeah, I worked. I worked a direct for care a aid. Yeah, I worked. Yeah, there for, I, I couldn't do the overnight shift, man. They were always catching me sleeping. <laughs> Man, hey, <laughs> I, I made sure to keep that that one eye open. <laughs> I'm up there watching watching the Olympics and stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I did that on top of like I was working forty plus at at the admissions office, so I was going to the admissions office eight to four in class from from uh five to nine or five to eight, whatever. Uh-huh. Then ten to six, at least twice a week, and then I had to travel in the morning. Two hours to some podunk school. You know, when I got out, I was like, "Man, I'm about to get it. I'm I'm driving these broke cars." Right, <laughs> like, right. I'm like, man, 
I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a decent job, at least fifty k. Uh, right. I can live on my own. I can uh, get me a decent car. And what happened? I got out and I couldn't find a job. Oh, a job. I was like, man. I finally got on at a, a, a elementary school, and it took me ten years to get to uh to find a position that. Pay me more than twenty four thousand five hundred dollars. Oh, ten my. years. Oh my! And, and that was kind of like not intentional, but like those were the opportunities that I was comfortable, you know, with the amount of pay, and then I was getting what I needed out of it. Got so you. I was kind of directing my my path, and right. I would I wasn't necessarily looking for money because it, I was like, if it ain't there, it ain't there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ain't going to force it. I ain't going to work at Best Buy for a lot of money and not get the skills that I need to work with yeah. students. <laughs> that's, that's a great lesson, and that's something that I kind of go over with my clients, too. If if all you're doing is chasing money and you're not balancing that out with passion and willing to invest in the long term, you're going to trap yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in. You're going to mm-hmm. box yourself in to a situation where now you have to stay at this job because you built up this lifestyle mm-hmm. and, and you can't go, you can't take any steps back to follow something that you're passionate about because the whole lifestyle is going to fall apart. It's best to sacrifice a little bit of money mm-hmm. to go after something that you're going to be more passionate about, but you're investing. So now, you know, you're investing in getting skills in your mm-hmm. passion. So a couple of years down the road, now you're probably making more than you w- would have been in the other job that you don't like. Yeah, You're passionate yeah. about it and you're making money. But it's all about having patience. It's all about knowing, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice now so that I can have money and passion later rather than just, in, just having money now. Because honestly, I mean, money makes things better, mm-hmm. but it's not everything. It's now, not I, everything. You'll never catch me say money won't solve problems. Money solves a lot of problems. A lot of problems. But it's not everything. If you can tie money and passion together, then you're really living life. Yes. And so I got a quote. I I said this, money ain't everything, but the ability to make money is everything. So if your passion and the ability to make money off of that passion if that combines and and that's what I'm doing right now, that's what I'm mm-hmm. doing with the podcast and all of these things. Cause I was like uh, pumping my brakes for, for a lot of things. Cause my, my ultimate goal is to fund and run a life prep program for disadvantaged student athletes. I say that all mm-hmm. the time. People are like, why don't you just get loans or not loans, but grants and stuff to start it. And I'm like, nah, I want to, I want to be a boss. Like I want to have creative right. You to have control, right. control to, to, to tweak it how I need to tweak it. I don't have, there's not a need to have people in the program. So many amount of kids in the program, you know, all of these different uh, regulations that um, come with grants and stuff, not to say that it's not going to come later in the program, but I want to be able to, so like LeBron James, he can fund his, I promise school. And then on top of that, get grants and stuff when it's already running and he knows it's going to run for the rest of his life. Right. It's right? like I, I, I'm the type of person, I, I, I can't tap dance to other people's music. Yes. I, I, I refuse <laughs> to do that. Now, uh, in some instances, it's a superpower. But in other instances, it's a weakness. Mm-hmm. I just got to recognize when it is and when it's not. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's a default, like, I, I cannot work for someone else. I'm yes. a horrible employee. And it's because <laughs> it's, a horrible. it's the way horrible. It, it, and it's because the way I was raised, right? Mm. I was raised with the mindset of not working for someone else, being more of a business owner and entrepreneur. I have too much ambition, mm-hmm. right? Because if I start working for someone, the whole time I'm there, I'm thinking, I can do this. I start to pick up what they're doing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, next thing you know, if, if I'm at a lemonade stand two weeks down the road, I'm building a lemonade stand across the street. And now my old boss don't like me. Yeah. Because I did because I'm not I'm not made to be an employee. I'ma see the hustle and I'ma duplicate it for myself. And it, it, so it's it, it's good in one instant, but on the other instance, you know, it it it, it, it makes my personality sometimes hard to deal with. <laughs> 
hey, I recognize that. And uh, because you guys started out in the the kind of like the boss phase, like you got trained to be a boss, like right. do your own thing. Like you saw that in your household. So that that's a little bit different. So when I talk to students, I'm I'm like, hey, you got, like go into these jobs, but know your goal. Like, yes, like because I was in the last 10 years, because I didn't get a, a job paying more than twenty four thousand five hundred until July of 2019. Mm. So I went into every job saying I'm going to give my all to these these jobs. I'm going to learn everything that I can, because like. I'm not about to waste this opportunity looking for another job and get my focus away. At some point right. in time, you got to come back and focus and get whatever you need from like, like those aliens on Independence Day with Will Smith. Like <laughs> you, you go to every, every planet and suck all of those, like all, the out, resources. Yeah. all those yeah, resources yeah. And, and, and build your little brand up. <laughs> <laughs> and I got yeah. like I talk to like I'm around people uh, pretty much a hundred percent of the time every week every day when we're not in quarantine <laughs> right. and I'm just like this like now I've built up a a platform like a brand just based off of me a personal brand mm -hmm. and that's what you really need to do uh, and like I don't do the traditional networking where you know you go and try to you know link up. I'm like, man, if you want to give me an opportunity, that's cool. If you if not, I'm gonna get it anyway. <laughs> so let me tell you something. I'm the worst. I'm the worst at traditional networking. I hate it. The the going to different events and hey, I got my business card to shake your hand. I'm I'm horrible at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're saying it too. Person. I'm a good people person. Now, if we've got like something genuine to talk about, mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I, I, we're gonna go back and forth, and we we should get to have a good time. But just sitting around waiting to be like, here's my business card. What do you do? I'm so I I, I just I don't do that. And I'm, I almost I'm despise you, that. Yeah. I, I hate if you it drop like me into a genuine situation, then okay, that makes sense. But networking, just the network, I'm horrible at that. I, I, I'm just. Uh, I'm not good at it. <laughs> so let's let's get into uh, a little bit of the times right now. So money okay. management during this pandemic. Well, like what what are your suggestions? What are your keys? I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that, and yes. it's it's definitely relevant right now. Oh yeah. Now it, the funny thing about this is money management during a pandemic or during a crisis is very very similar to what you should have been doing before. Right. It is now. Mm -hmm. It's more highlighted now. You're in more of an urgency, but this is normally the steps that we take a look at what you should do. Number one, number one, you need to review your budget. Take a look at how you're spending money and things where you can cut back. Right. So normally I tell clients that we take a look at their their bank statements. We take a look at how they're spending money and we ask the question, what are the needs? What are the wants? Anything that goes down into the want column, especially during a, a financial crisis, you got to get rid of. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you like me, I have every single online streaming service out there, even so obscure <laughs> things that people don't even know about. Yeah, I got the Disney Plus. Yeah, I got Netflix. I got the uh, DC Comics. I got everything. But during this time, and, you know, if money is short, if you're someone that's afraid that you're, you know, about to get laid off, you've been laid off. Now is not the time for you to have Netflix, Hulu and all the other ones. Maybe you pick one and mm -hmm. the rest of them you you cancel, you put on hold until your financial situations get better. But you need to cancel the things that you want and not need in situations like this so you can have more money to spend on the needs than the ones. There's people out here that are still paying for gym memberships and haven't been to the gym since this whole thing. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, they probably haven't been to the gym in a year anyway. <laughs> now they can't go to the gym and they're still getting hit out of 10, 20, 30, 40 bucks a month yeah. on a gym membership that they can't use. You need to cancel it or suspend it during this time so you can use that money uh, for something that you need. So that's that's point number one. You need to review your budget Take a look at your wants. Take a look at your needs. 
and try to whittle down those wants as much as possible so you can conserve cash. So that's that's number one. Number two is what do we do with this extra cash that we now have? Now Oops. that we took a look at our budget and we have a little bit extra cash because we took away some of those wants, what do we do with that extra money? Now, some people will say, well, okay, let's invest that money. But you're really not in a situation to invest that money. You don't have enough money built up yet to really invest. So, you know, as financial planners, you know, we're taught that you first have to build up an emergency savings fund. Okay. Mm-hmm. So an emergency savings fund is an account that you're putting money off to the side that could sustain you for at least anywhere between three to six months of what we call your non-discretionary spending, right? Sound like a big word, but really non-discretionary spending is just your basic need bills. Basic house, need bills, house, house car, car, insurance, food, yeah, food. Insurance. Yes. If you get those under control, you want to have enough money in your emergency savings fund to take care of those bills for anywhere between three to six months for situations just like this. So, you know, for my clients who I've already preached this to for the past couple of years and they, they think I was being way too conservative to tell them, hey, we need to make sure we have three to six months worth of your fixed income bills just in case something crazy happened right now. They're not worried about getting evicted. They're not Mm -hmm. worried about not making their car note payment because we've already put into their financial plan in case some something like this happens. So they're good right now, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you're in this situation now and you haven't done that, now is the time to start doing that. Take a look at your bills, pare it down, put off to the side an amount of money that you can continue to uh, build up this emergency savings fund. So, you can survive in times like this. And point number three, point number three, after you get beyond the point where you reviewed your budget, the extra money that you have left over, you've already built up an emergency savings fund. So you got covered your housing, your insurance, your uh, travel, the transportation and food. Now, lastly, you've got some money to invest. If you don't do the first two steps, you don't have money to invest. Mm -hmm. Lastly, after you've got all those other things took care of, you've got money to invest. The question is, what do we invest in? Honestly, the average person is horrible at trying to pick single stocks. Just horrible. To try to pick one company and you're betting and hoping that this one stock or this hot stock is going to make you a million dollars, nine and a half times out of ten, you're going to be wrong. Because by the time the average person who isn't like deep into looking at company financials, by the time you hear about a company, it's probably too late for you to invest because everybody knows about it. The simplest thing that a person can do if they want to invest is just to invest into uh, an investment fund, a pooled source of investment. So an investment fund, a mutual fund, a uh, ETF These are things where you're investing in a pool of different companies. Like, let's say the S&P 500. The S&P 500 is basically a group of the top 500 companies in America. Instead of trying to bet which one is going to be the best, you just invest in a fund that is composed of the top 500 companies. And you're basically just riding the wave of the overall U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to pick a bunch of different funds. So those, those are the quick tips that I would give to, especially in the time of a crisis. But even when we get out of this, those are the things that you should be doing to try to keep yourself in you know, a strong position financially. You know, And paying down debt and debt management is also a part of that, too. You can't have a bunch of debt. You, know, you can't have $10,000 on a credit card and then also $10,000 in a bank account somewhere because... The debt is incurring more interest than you're earning on the bank account. So you might as well just pay down the debt. Yeah. Get it to zero next to zero. Get it. Yeah. Get it down and then try to build up some money. But those are the quick tips that I can give. Damn. Thank you for that. Like, I'm a I'm a life coach, too. So uh, 
when I when I coach people, I I coach people in the everything realm. So I got like mm-hmm. seven pillars or seven arenas that we look at, and and finance was one of the basic things. And when I talk to people on a regular basis, because my my mind works as a life coach all the time, so I'm okay. I'm in this <laughs> reverse engineering mode all the time. So yeah, when so you see it, yeah, it, yeah, I see it. I'm like, all right, uh, like we got to get before I get you before we get you he- like professional help, like from you. We just need to get you on a, a level of where you understand your finances. How much is is going in, <laughs> coming in, and how much is going out? If you, if you know that, then you know how much money you got to work with in between. <laughs> So that that's how I started. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, this is this is how much money is coming in. This is how much money is going out. And then this is how much money I got to play with. And then it, because I, I'm over these last 10 years, mm-hmm. I'm trying to build a business. So uh, or at least five years, five years, I'm trying to slowly and but surely build a business to where I can sustain it like by myself. You know what I mean? Right income coming in and less stuff going out. So, man, I just try to help people get to that point where, hey, when they come to you, they already understand the basic budgeting. <laughs> right. They and then exactly they can t- you can take them to another to do, right? level. So just like with fitness, like I want you to get to a point where you understand your body and then you figure out this is where I need to go and this is who's going to take me there. So I teach group fitness. And then you, as a personal, I had one of my uh, clients. She she was she started off a group fitness. She was like, I want to take it to another level. Then she got a personal trainer. You know what I'm saying? Right. So she yeah. understood. And, and, and that's the crazy thing. When I when I talk to clients, I use that uh, analogy all the time. I try to explain them as like financial fitness. The discipline it takes to be financially fit is. 100% the same discipline that it's going to take to be physically fit. Mm-hmm. It's it, it comes down to discipline and changing bad habits. And, Ooh. you know, so, so yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Man, so do, do you need a lot of money to start financial planning? That, no, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 I love that question. And I always, I always smile when I hear that question because it, no, that's like, you know, let's go, let's take it back to the situation that we just talked about with physical fitness. That's like a, a, a seriously obese person saying like, you know, you know, should I lose, uh, you know, 50 or 100 pounds before I, I go see the doctor? <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like you got to start where you are. Mm-hmm. You start exactly where you are. We sit down and we create a plan to get you to where you want to go. But as long as you keep kicking the can down the road and saying, well, I don't have enough money yet to create a financial plan, you're really just uh, uh, procrastinating. You got to start exactly where you are. The sooner you start, that's the thing about compound interest. The sooner you start, the less work you have to do to meet your financial goals. Mm. The person who starts saving at 25 has to do less investing, talking about annually, than the person that starts at 35. And at the end of their working life, the person who started at 25 is going to have more money than the person that started at 35. So That's just how compound interest works. Right. And so we... I, I want to focus on those people at the bottom, too. So, mm-hmm. like, this is not a abstract thought like that you, you have to have a lot of money or anything like that. Like we no. just want you to uh, understand the basic, f- basic principles of finance and, and just so we can work and build because success don't happen overnight. Right. And so let, let's take for an example, uh, you know, someone who only makes, let's say they make less than $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a person that makes less than $20,000 a year. Uh, they don't have a college education and they're trying to figure out exactly how do they get to that point? Because, I mean, this is a, a person who's in a situation where it, to them, there's no money left at the end of mm-hmm. the month. They're mm-hmm. living paycheck to paycheck. They have to borrow money or maybe even go to uh, a title loan place to kind of make ends meet. 
What does that person do? That's yes. the type of person that's going to say, I don't have the time or the money to see a financial advisor or to make a financial plan. Honestly, this is the type of person who's most likely in the most need of a financial plan. And there's resources out there that can get them help at no cost too. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they shouldn't feel as if they got to go to someone like me and they have to pay, you know, 200 bucks an hour when they don't have it. They can find uh, debt counselors. They can find financial coaching online, different topics that they can get, but they have to start with a plan. And we take a look at, okay, where are you? You're, uh, you don't have very high skills at this point right now. You're making less than around $20,000 a year. And maybe you have dependents. Maybe you have a child or two. Mm -hmm. How do we get you past that point to where you're living more comfortably? Number one is going to take discipline. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to review how you're spending money. Maybe we need to review your options where you can maybe go to a community college or go somewhere to get you those higher skills that can demand higher pay. There's opportunities with scholarships. There's opportunities with internships or some sort of trade school where maybe you can get an apprenticeship. There's opportunities out there, but as long as you're you know, sitting on your hands or just saying you're not ready yet, you're never going to get there. And it's going to take work. And that's, okay. that's what it's going to take even more work if you're in that type of situation. Nice. So, it, I mean there's no way around the work and that's that's why i call it the work hard movement like we right. all need to get into that point we got to that point because we 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 started after our <laughs> in, in the great recession right that, we that, had that to, we had our, to go back that was our to introduction the to adulthood was a great recession exactly and and we about to go through another something like it simply yeah. we don't know what it's gonna look like but um <laughs> I was I, I tell people all that's the best thing that happened to me yeah. like for for me to come from where I was uh, in the past 10 years mm -hmm. like I am I am going to be able to write my own check based off right. of the value that I can give to other people because of what I went through in the past 10 to 18 years of my life that's half of my life I've devoted from going from uh, a snotty-nosed <laughs> freshman <laughs> at Missouri Valley College right. to um, master's degree to working 10 years in, in education, 10 years plus in education, getting double major certification, all of that, all of that process. Mm -hmm. Now, I and, and you said something earlier, I just read a book called Range, from uh by david epstein epstein whatever his mm -hmm. name is and uh not the not the epstein that is in, <laughs> not, not him not the other guy <laughs> not the other guy <laughs> david epstein mm -hmm. uh he he talks about having range and um how generalists people that um kind of major in multiple disciplines when they finally pick their uh their their what they want to uh want to what they want to be in they use all of those experience to enhance whatever they are going to do and then they they ultimately they uh innovate whatever field they go into so the tiger oh, yeah. woods tiger woods of of the world is they're specialists and they're the anomaly they're they're like rare but mm -hmm. the the highly a lot of the highly successful people like Roger Federer he he mentioned him Roger Federer didn't even start playing tennis really until he was like 16 years old he was like all right I'm going to go into tennis he played all these other sports first and then went into tennis right. so uh, yeah I I, I got to support that statement 100% I honestly the thing that sets me apart from uh, other accountants in this world is the fact that I have a bachelor's degree from Missouri Valley College in uh, mass communications where, where I focused in journalism and I focused in sports broadcasting because what a lot of my counterparts don't have is this, an ability to communicate, right? They're great with numbers, mm -hmm. great with numbers. <laughs> I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm not the best accountant when it comes to doing numbers in my head. I mean, I've got a calculator and I've got 
plenty of software that helps me calculate the numbers. I mean, I'm not the worst guy. I'm probably better than the average with numbers. <laughs> but when it comes to all the different accountants that I know, they're really, really, really good with numbers, bad with people skills. So the fact that, you know, I did a detour in my career and, uh, you know, going to school and spending all that time in communications, something that I thought was a detour really is a key reason of why I'm successful today. Having what sets you apart. It's, it, it sets me apart. My ability to get out there and market my all that stuff comes back to core skills that I learned at Mobile with communications and being able to write, being able to listen, being able to market. You know, I, I was on the, I wrote for the newspaper. I was on the uh, TV station. I was on the radio station. I did all those things. And at first I didn't see how it would relate to me being an accountant, but mm -hmm. that's what sets me apart from all of my competition within the St. Louis Metro area. Not only do I have the skills and numbers, I have the skills as far as communications, because at the end of the day, when you're dealing with people and you're dealing with money, it's about being able to communicate the ideas of what they're currently doing with their money, what they should be doing with the money and why it's going to benefit them. Because I can create a perfect financial plan for 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 anyone. Right. I can mm -hmm. I can give you a 30 page booklet of how to get you from where you are right now and what we need to do. So when you retire, you have over a million dollars, but it doesn't mean anything if the client doesn't buy in and actually follow through with the recommendations. Same, same thing in your world. You can create a workout plan to get a person from being obese to having a six pack, but if they don't buy in, if they don't believe in what you're saying, if you can't convince them that, you know, uh, changing that diet, that working out in the mornings, you know, doing all the recommendations that you give. If you can't get them to buy in and communicate why they should, they're going to have that workout booklet, your plan, your meal guide and everything, and still be out of shape because yeah. you couldn't get them to buy in. And you're not going to be a, a, a effective in what you do if you can't get them to buy in. And I think that's what sets me apart, that extra component of, my education in uh, communications, I'm able to not only tell the client what they need to be doing financially, I can convince them to buy in and then they actually become successful. Right. And uh, so what I created, I, I created a formula. I created the uh, work hard philosophy for individual achievement based mm -hmm. off of that, that notion that like, you're going to learn more in your own plan than I can plan for it, than somebody else's plan. Mm -hmm. So, so what I created with the, the work hard philosophy is a formula so that you can plug and play, plug and play. This is my goal. It's reverse engineering technique. So mm -hmm. that's how I shoot money in money out. That, that's right. how I got to the, got to the basics of that. Like you got to get to the, the, the root of, every single problem because uh -huh. every problem has a solution every solution has a goal and once you have a goal you can reverse engineer that goal to get to wherever you need to solve a problem <laughs> yeah that, i mean that's that's the basic layout of the roadmap of what financial planning is right you deal and that's with the basics the basics for success that's yeah because that's you deal with is. a situation with clients where they'll come in and they'll tell you general concepts right They'll say, you know, I want to retire comfortably or I want to make sure that my my kid goes to a good school. That's a goal. That's 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 something abstract. We actually got to pinpoint what does that mean? Mean. Right. To 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 grab to uh, retire comfortably. What does that mean? Does that mean mm -hmm. that you have two million dollars in that? Yes. It yes. It's an exact number. In it's an After exact we get that number. <laughs> then we can reverse engineer to get you there. But it's our job to be the middleman when we work with people to figure out, okay, we've got to actually quantify yeah. your goal so we can reverse engineer. Because just saying, I want to retire uh, comfortably or I want to be in shape. It's too vague. It's, it's, too, it's too vague. <laughs> we've got to pin you down to a quantifiable goal and then reverse engineer, take the steps back to where you are right now to get you there. Yep, and, and then you see every single step. 
you see yeah. every <laughs> you see every single step you have to do and then it's all about whether you want to do it or not so the philosophy is are you willing to reuse knowledge habits and resources diligently are you are you willing to do knowledge gain knowledge you you willing to change your habits um willing to learn sacrifice and change <laughs> yeah. to get what you want over the long term because that's uh, the like buy-in. Yeah. <laughs> you got to buy in. in. You yep. got to buy in at the start. So I bought in at the start. I I was like I had to I had to buy into myself. I knew the skills that I came out of college with, out of, out of my master's degree with. I was like, I'm not taking less than what I am really worth because I know the value that I bring to any organization. So right. I was like, I well, if nobody's going to can see my worth and I can't articulate it, then I'm just going to go in here and grab all the skills that I need at the places where I need it until I get to a point where I can articulate it and I can, I can, uh, and somebody sees my value. And to that point is I had to learn about myself more than I had to learn about anything else. <laughs> like right. these past 10 years were 10 plus years was me learning about myself. Right. <laughs> no, no, it, it's, it, it fits right in. It's like the, the things that we do are so similar, it's ridiculous. So there is a, a theory within financial planning. There's an approach that's uh, called a, the strategic approach in financial planning. There's a bunch of different approaches that you can take. But within the strategic approach of financial planning, you have to work with the client to create their mission statement. And the whole reason why you work with your clients for the mission statement is that you have to establish the goals. Yeah. Got to get them to their whys. Because, like I said before, I can create a financial plan to get you to be wherever you want to be. But if they don't buy in, if they don't constantly have that mission statement, their mantra, their goal of why they're making all these sacrifices, why they're doing all this hard work they're going to set the plan down and walk away and go right back into the bad habits that they did before. Because they, they have a scapegoat. <laughs> you, right. you made that plan, not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't take ownership of it. They don't feel like they were a part of mm -hmm. the plan. Mm -hmm. So it's somebody else's. So you got to get them to buy in. You got to create a plan that's built around their stated mission statement. You know, you got to make sure that it's a part of what they want to do. That's mm -hmm. why I'm, you know, that's why it's called personal financial planning, because it's personal to the individual. This isn't a cookie cutter system. While there is common concepts that everyone can use, it's going to have to be tailored to work towards that person. There's a lot of psychology that's involved in personal fitness, and there's a lot of psychology that's in involved in personal finance. Definitely right. And and I'm I'm in every every aspect. <laughs> I'm in every arena almost. <laughs> right. Like just be, a lot of people see me in fitness because that's like the easiest one I can pose about. But right. like most of my like I'm most of my like I've been in education all my life. So right. I've been <laughs> right. I've been in education more than and being able to navigate through um and this is why i talk to students all the time i want to be around students and people that are are i love development like mm -hmm. and seeing somebody go from zero to to he, their own hero type right. of thing in mm -hmm. every anything that you want to do and i i was like i i touch on everything because i've almost done almost everything so right. now I, like after not having a lot of money for the past 10 years and working it out and, and sacrificing and changing and doing all these different things. Now I, I developed the habit of a budget system. Like I, mm -hmm. I understand what money does and how it helps and where it goes and, and how I can manipulate it to my advantage. And that that's where I want people to get to. Like, <clears throat> You got to have your own plan. And and that's what I do. With, I create um, I create blueprints for people's success. So we'll mm -hmm. go through these seven arenas, you know, personal, professional, health, fitness, family, like all of these things are separate, but they right. all come together in one unique person. So mm -hmm. that's not necessarily we're not going to necessarily um, 
work on all of these at one time. We just need to know kind of what the idea is behind our whole, our whole, all of those, those arenas that we're in because we live in our body. We, right. we, we work, we, we are involved in relationships, not just romantic relationships. We right. have to understand all these different aspects. And, and I it, think- it, help, it helps to create a balanced person. Yes. If, you, if you're too focused on one or two of those pillars, you're going to be off balance. Yeah, it, it's 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 crazy, and and that's why I try to like get people to understand, and and that's why it's so hard for me to market myself or understand how to market myself. I'm like, like whatever you need, we can reverse engineer anything, right. and I, and then I have this formula that we we just boom 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 boom, like we plug in what you 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 have, not what I think you need. This, this is something that I created for other people to use that like with everybody from the bottom, because ultimately those people at the bottom who are, are, are going through all the problems and feeling every impact of everything. Those people are the ones that are going to ultimately be able to innovate our whole society. It's mm-hmm. not going to be the people at the top because they don't even understand what's at the bottom. It has right. to be those people right. at the bottom that come up and, and work their way out of whatever it is. And then they're able to be a testament to this is how you do it. This is the, some of the things we can success leaves clues. That's, right. that's basically what it is. And you got to yeah. learn from every anybody and everybody. I don't care what color you are. <laughs> like if, if somebody give you some valuable information, you connect with that person on a level. Like take that information. I I read books about from everybody. <laughs> if yeah. if it has a good title on it and it, it's it's right along with my thinking, I I read that book so I can get a nugget out of it or two nuggets <laughs> of information that's going to lead me in the right direction. Right. I mean the the way I look at it is that innovation comes from solving some problem. And if you take a person that doesn't have a lot of problems, a lot of issues in their life you're not going to get a lot of innovation from that because they don't have the obstacles in their path mm-hmm. that require that innovation. Mm-hmm. That's why you're going to have people who started at a, you know, a, a, a station in life that most people would say is lower or, you know, some, some sort of, you know, tragedy or some sort of hard times, but that's where innovation comes from. That person being able to grind out, up out of that situation to get to a more comfortable uh, situation that then now they become a blueprint for other people yeah. to work their way out of that. Yeah, definitely. So what we got a lot of high school students, college students graduating in the next few weeks mm-hmm. into a whole different time. I know Obama is uh, he's about to do a uh, yeah, the commencement, commencement to, for, for everybody, for everybody <laughs> tonight. Yes. Yeah, I'm watching yeah. that. I just bought me a, a 65 inch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm watching that in full screen. I had a seven-year-old TV that was black and white. I'm watching the uh, the Last Dance song. I'm up here struggling, man. I was like, let me go ahead and, and, and look in to buy the new TV. I finally bought one last night. But <laughs> but, that, but that's the sacrifice that it takes to get to where you ought to be. Exactly, exactly. And now I got the money to to do to it. do it right. Uh. <laughs> So what can high school and college age students do to get started in financial planning in their own right? Okay. The number one thing that I would say for, you know, high school students or, you know, people in college that are graduating, now is not the time to try to find all these things to try to spend money on, right? It's not about spending money to impress other people. The best piece of advice I can give you is, Money is a resource that you've got to use as a weapon in life, okay? Money is a resource. Think of it like bullets and a gun if you're playing some sort of video game or something. If you're just shooting those bullets out at anything that pops up, any shake in a bush, anything that comes up, when you really need that weapon, right? Like you're playing some sort of uh, a zombie game. When you really need it and you don't have any bullets left, game over. So (laughs) if you can start to think about money as a limited resource, money is not unlimited. 
you can run out of the stuff. Believe me, you can run out of money. If you start to think of money as a limited resource that you need to survive, you'll start to spend it more wisely. So number one, money is a resource that you need to conserve as much as possible and only use it when you need to. That's number one. Number two, as far as getting loans, right? The the people who are graduating college and maybe considering to go farther in their education, the people that are graduating from high school and they're thinking about moving on, please, for, for, the, for the love of God, don't go out and get a student loan for a major or subject matter that is not going to make you enough money to pay off that student loan. Right. We talked earlier about following your passion. That's something I 100 percent agree with. Follow your passion. But you have to have some realism in there. Mm -hmm. Don't take out a student loan for one hundred thousand dollars for a major in a field that only makes 20 or 30 thousand dollars a year. Right. I mean, there's got to be some balance there. Really take a look at that. Don't go to grad school just for going to grad school's sake. Go to grad school because you know that it's going to qualify you for a position where you really can make within a year or two the total amount of money it costs you to get that degree. Right. That's usually the rule of thumb. We like to see a student loan. We, we say student loan debt is good debt if within the degree that you're pursuing, when you graduate, you make about two and a half times within a year what the student loan is. Doesn't mean you pay it off in that in that time. I'm just saying, let's say if I went out and I got $100,000 worth of debt to go to law school, then when I graduate, I need to be making two hundred dollars to $250,000 a year. To me, that's worth it. Right. But if I... Because that's an out, investment. <laughs> yeah, it, to me, it's an investment. Just like anything, your education is an investment. And if you go out and you get a student loan for $100,000 to secure a job that's going to make you fifty dollars or $80,000, that's not the wisest use of your money. Eventually, you'll probably pay that debt off. But for time, and it, when we talk about, talk about money, we, all, we talk about how you know, uh, money has a time value. Mm-hmm. You have to take a look at the long term of how you use that resource because there's always opportunity cost. Opportunity cost is just the concept of if I do A, that means I can't do B, right? You can't do everything at the same time. So when it comes to opportunity cost, when you when you decide to do option A, that means you can't do option B. Mm-hmm. We have to review and say, man, if we do B, at the end of the day, it's going to bring us back more money than A. So that's another thing. Don't run out. Get a bunch of student loan debt that's not going to allow you to recoup and get a job that's going to pay off that debt. So make sure if you're going to spend that money, if you're going to take out that debt, it needs to be for a career or a field that is going to make sense. So you need to make that debt back two times in a year. Otherwise, you need to retool what you're getting your degree in. Yeah. So don't just go to school to be going to school. If, right. No, it, no. So if, 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 because we, I, I work with students that are getting full rides, but I also work with students that aren't getting full rides. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm telling them, you have to be, you have to have a purpose. You yes. have to be intentional about what you do. So, and that works for all of them, but the, the more, Money, the the more money you don't have to go to school that that you have to pay <laughs> yes you have to be more intentional those people at yes. the bottom you have to be more intentional about what you're doing yeah. with your what what you doing. don't have the money to lose people who got a lot of money right so I, i've got clients from a bunch of different areas i got clients who who played in the super bowl i got clients who you've seen on tv i've got clients who've done a lot of things now, they've got the money and the resources at times to try this and try that. Or, 
oh, that didn't work. I spent, you know, uh, $100,000 doing this and it didn't quite work out. But, hey, I got the life experience. They mm-hmm. got the money to do that type of stuff. To take risks. To take like those that. type of risks. But when you don't have much money, your margin of error, this is basically what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Your margin of error is so much smaller because you can't bounce back like the people who have more resources. So one of the greatest things that I was able to participate in when I was in high school was an internship. I mean, I it's a requirement to do an internship in college almost, for at least for the areas that I was in. So, you know, to get that associate's degree in accounting, to even get my bachelor's degree in communications, mm-hmm. I had to do an internship. I worked at a CPA firm for uh, a summer. I worked at a uh, the local NBC uh, uh, affiliate here in the city of St. Louis when I was in college. So I got to actually experience the jobs of the degrees that I was doing to see if it was a good fit or not, mm-hmm. if I liked it or not. So my suggestion, before you spend a bunch of money to see if you like something, try intern it. Go somewhere to to someone who's actually doing what you think you want to do and shadow them for a day. It might not be a full-fledged internship because a lot of times, you know, the, to apply for an intern, Ship, they want you to actually already be in a college program yeah. getting college credit but if that's not your situation help just say i just want to shadow you for a day just just for a day or a weekend or for a week i'll come in get your coffee i just want to see what you do to see if i like it before i i commit to 30 or forty thousand dollars worth of student debt mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. To, to study because there's a difference between studying a profession and practicing yeah. I know a lot of people who liked their major when they were in school, but then when they got out of school and actually did it, they didn't like it. So and how much how much do you get paid you for internships? Oh, a, a, a whopping zero. The internships <laughs> that I got, I don't know about these new 2020 kids out here, but the internships that I got, I got paid nothing. I woke up in the morning, put on a suit and tie, drove my car to somebody's office and I worked for them and got paid zero zero absolutely nothing <laughs> and that that's a key point you gonna you gonna get more information out of people the the less they have to pay yeah <laughs> so I mean it, I got to see the real I got to see the real deal I got to get real experiences even it's something that even affects me today because you know at the uh accounting firm that I was at, uh, you know, one of the guys who was a, a partner in the firm, he said if he had it to do over again, he would focus on being a financial advisor. Because mm-hmm. he said it, 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 the, you'll be able to work with the type of clients that you want to work with. You, you'll be able to help them manage their money and it'd be easier than what he was doing as a CPA dealing with like audits and stuff like that because dealing with audits one i was horrible in audits i got like a c in my auditing class <laughs> that's because the teacher liked me honestly <laughs> i probably should have failed that class because auditing is more about just going through someone's books making sure they're doing the right things and trying to find where money went you'll spend an hour trying to figure out where 25 dollars and 32 cent went it's ridiculous mm. and that stuck with me and that's it, it, it's it's a part of who I am as an accountant today. And I got that because I went to the guy and said, I want to work for you for free to see what's going on. Yeah. And that's, that's how it started. You know, did he, did he work for free for, uh... yeah, for Andre Harrell? And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and bless his heart. You know, he, he recently passed. Yeah. It's a very sad situation. The man recently passed. He is an icon, an absolute icon icon in urban music really in music alone music yep. period no mm-hmm. labels but you know to have the roster of uh acts under him we're talking about mary j blige heavy d jodeci the list goes on and on but what uh diddy did uh well he was at howard university so i'm gonna give a shout out to you know howard university <laughs> While he was at Howard University, you know, Diddy went and he bounced to a couple of different people. He talked to Russell Simmons, but he also talked to Andre Harrell at Uptown Music. And he told Andre, you know, I will do anything. I will work for you for free. And he grinded from working for Andre Harrell at Uptown uh, Music 
for free to becoming a vice president of A&R to starting Bad Boy Entertainment in a closet, basically, at Uptown Music. And Diddy is who he is today in large part because he interned for free for Andre Harrell. So, that I mean, if that's not a testament of what working for free within the field that you want to do, it can be a positive impact in your life, then, you know, I can't help it. You're right, right, right. And and one more part about that whole thing is that it's not saying that you have to only do that internship and work right. for free. Like Diddy was throwing parties and stuff yeah, after the fact yeah. and stuff. So you have to hustle. And that's the hard work that that makes you who you are. We had to do I had to do three and four jobs the past 10 years and stuff for, for, Man, just to survive. So you, like you now got it's a part of me. While I, was in, while I was interning at the CPA firm out here, I was working for free. What they told me to do is say, hey, you've got that. They had two offices. I had a cubicle in the corner. Mm-hmm. And they was like, hey, you can do our work. We're not paying you, but what you can do, you can start picking up clients. Oops. <laughs> that can pay your that, that way you can pay yourself. So after you finish doing the stuff we need you to do, you can pick up some clients. And that's all I needed to hear. Some of the clients that I have today, I got back then working in the corner of someone else's office, being an internship, being an intern, doing all the, the grimy dirt work that they didn't want to do. But then I had access to all their office equipment. I had access to all their books and their internal revenue code sections and all that stuff uh-huh. to start pulling in clients that either they clients that they didn't want or people who knew me and was like, oh, okay, JT's working over here. And I started picking up clients. So I started getting my clients. It wasn't enough really to earn a living, but it was enough to survive. Yeah, get paid zero. Right. <laughs> giving somebody else your, your time. Right. I was able to survive because I started picking up the crumbs here and there. And, you know, I, I'm sitting t- today. I am talking to you sitting in the office with my name on the wall because I was willing to work for someone else for free. At the very beginning. <laughs> and, 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 and you that, not saying you didn't need any money because this is what I hear. We, like, I understand my students need money. Like, I understand that. But you got to put in that extra work. So if you have to go and work an overnight shift, go yeah. work an overnight shift <laughs> and get right back up and, and go to that internship the next day. Yeah doing the same thing that you was doing or whatever because you're learning and that work ethic is is going to pay off and and that's the concept behind the the malcolm gladwell popularized ten thousand hour rule the Mm ten thousand hour rule isn't that you have to practice in that in that specialized industry or whatever it's the work up leading up to those ten thousand hours is what's going to set you apart and you said it at the beginning yeah it, you you got a whole wide range of of experiences throughout your education and and career when you start spoke uh, when you start specializing in what what arena that you wanted to be in then all of that stuff all of those ten thousand hours came to play and now it puts you it separates you from your competition exactly exactly. <laughs> So we're going to get out of here because I'll go on forever. But <laughs> if you if you could give us something that uh, give give everybody something for their success journey and uh, what they can do in their success journey as a, a ending note. Right. Number one, if you want to be successful in anything, you need to stay focused on the goal. Stay focused on what the goal is, the destination. Right. Because if you focus too much on the path, you'll end up at a roadblock and you'll turn away and go home. Focus on the final destination, the goal of what you want in life, right? I, at nine years old, did not know that I would be sitting where I am today as a financial advisor, having different celebrity clients and stuff like that. There's no way I knew that was going to happen. I focused on the goal that I wanted to work for myself, I wanted to be uh, financially independent. And there's times in my life that I had to pivot. People feel like pivoting and changing your path is a sign of failure. 
is really a sign of maturity. Mm-hmm. You, you are a mature person when you realize, you know what? Going down this path isn't getting me the results that I want. It doesn't matter if I've been going down this path for one day, one week, one month, one year, 10 years. The second you realize going down this path isn't getting you where you want to go and you're deciding to pivot, to change directions, still with the mindset that I'm going after the same goal, but I'm refusing to keep going down a road that's not getting me there, that's a sign of maturity. So if I got anything that I'm going to leave with your listeners to say how they can be successful, focus on the goal, realize that it's about the final destination and getting there, the path that takes you there may change. Be flexible enough to understand that the path to get there may change, but you can still get there. You said it the best. (laughs) And if you got problems with uh, the how, I got the formula for you. <laughs> that's all I, I that's, that's my specialty right there. Like we, we can, I can manage the how and <laughs> with that work hard philosophy, I, I, we, we can, we can manage the how to a T if you want it. So you ain't have to worry about all you have to worry about is your goal. We can get you there no matter what. So I, I, I appreciate you, brother, Jason, you, you you came in and, and gave it till all right <laughs> and i pre- mike man i appreciate the, the the invite man you know i i love the connection man anytime just hit me up uh, you know valley will roll that's all i gotta say all right i appreciate it I, i'll talk to you soon i hope you enjoyed this episode of the success is my religion podcast go ahead and hit that five stars and leave me a review And be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Work Hard Movement.